fullness of joy. And Psalm 16 has a lot to say about this. We're going to focus in specifically on verse 11. We're going to go back through the context during the sermon, but I want you to see the context. So Psalm 16, if you'll follow along in your copy of God's Word, this is what God's Word says to us today. As David writes, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. Your footnotes may say your kidney instructs me. Um, that's weird, I know, but that's just, it was pointed out to me. I want to make sure you understand that. There's something internally that God is doing there. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want to show you three realities of this joy that Jesus has called us to, that we're called to in the Lord. And the first is the path of life. Look at verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. So the question for us is, what is the path of life that is being spoken of here? It's a, it's a path that leads to righteousness and holiness. It's a path of God that leads us to righteousness and holiness. If you were to flip over to Psalm 43, you would see this. And I encourage you to take notes and write these things down and look for yourself. Test every word that comes out of my mouth because I am not the Lord. Go back to his word. Test the word for yourself. Test the spirits. Psalm 43 verses 3 through 5 says this. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me Okay, so he's making known in verse 11 of Psalm 16, the path of life in Psalm 43. Let them lead me, let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. The path of life is a path that leads to righteousness and holiness, that leads to the holy hill of God. If you were to flip back one psalm to Psalm 15, you would see this. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who can dwell on your holy hill? Who is allowed to be on the holy hill? The path of life is a path that leads to righteousness and holiness. But if you look in verse 11 of Psalm 16, you see this. Who's making known the path of life? This is not a path that we can find on our own. The path of life is not a path we can find on our own. If you want to get an image in your mind, get this image. Jesus, with his machete, has been going through the jungle of sin and he has cut out the path of righteousness and holiness. And all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We all have our little pocket knives and we're trying to cut our own way through the jungle of sin and we all want to get to the end, right? We all want to get on the path of life. I have never met anyone who said, you know what, the path I want, destruction. Think I'll just choose the path of destruction? That sounds good to me, right? I'm just going to look for the hardest way. I'm going to look for the worst way. I'm going to look for the worst possible outcome. That's what I want. No, we all want life. We all want reward. We all want glory. It's what we all want. The only problem is there's only one way, only one 
path, and it's God's path. We're not going to find our own path. So we become people trying to cut our way through sin, this jungle of sin, with, with a pocket knife. When we have Jesus who has shown us the way, who has cut the path for us to follow, the path of righteousness, the path of holiness. This is a path we cannot find on our own. It says there in verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. Without the revelation and knowledge of God, without God showing us, we have no ability to get on this path. Today, you may be looking for the path of life. You may be looking for joy. You may be looking for something. The only way, he said it himself, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. He is the only path. This is a path we can't find on our own. What is the path of life? The path of life is defined by God's definition of righteousness. You make known to me the path of life. We can't come up with our own definition and think that, that we're going to be okay. And lots of people are doing that today, aren't they? Lots of people want to do that. And what we tend to do is we tend to do it by comparison. We, we don't want to do absolutes, so we just say, I'm just not as bad as that person, right? Or I'm better than that person. We do it by comparison, but we want to define righteousness and holiness by our own definitions. If you look in Psalm 15, this is what we're told in Psalm 15, is that the person who's going to be able to dwell on the holy hill of God is the one who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. Who does not slander with his tongue, who does, not, who does no evil to his neighbor, or takes up a reproach against his friend. The, the gospel proclaims to us this news, that there's no one righteous, not even one. There's none who seeks after God. No one who is able. And that's a reality check for us. That the path of life is defined by God's righteousness found in Jesus Christ. Good news. Good news for us. He's the one who has taken the machete through the jungle of sin and He has cut the way for us to walk in. And this is what we're told in Ephesians 2 we're told that it's now by grace through faith that we are saved, right? It's not of our own works. And then in verse 10, and he, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that He has laid out beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me just come back to the image, right? As we're going through this jungle of sin and Jesus has cut the way, He has laid out the path for us to walk in. The problem is, we're the type of people that think there must be something that we're missing with all that jungle out there, right? There must be something that we're missing. And yet on the path, we have Jesus. We have His righteousness. All our sin was placed on Jesus. All His righteousness given to us in this exchange of the cross and the resurrection by grace through faith. The path is defined by God's definition of righteousness. It is His holy hill. It is his path. What is this path of life? It's a path that what we learn is that this path leads directly to Him. This path leads to Him, to His presence. Look back at the verse. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there's fullness of joy. This path leads us to the very side of God, to being with Him, to delighting in Him alone. This is a path that leads only to Him. Back in Psalm 15, 
you can dwell on that holy hill. You get to live there. Not just visit. Live there. And find joy there. I want you to know this type of joy that comes from this path. This path of life. Romans 14, 17-18 tells us the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be people who are defining our lives by Jesus and His righteousness and His holiness, not by our definitions. What we tend to do is we tend to dumb it down to make it easy for ourselves. I want to give you some bad news and then I'm going to give you some good news. It's never easy to walk through the jungle. Ever. Some of you have done it. And it's never easy to walk through the jungle. But when you have the one who has made the way, if you have the directions, if you have the path, then you're going to get to the end. That's the good news. I want you to hear the fact that this path leads to life and life is found in the very presence of God Himself. This was Job's hope, wasn't it? This is Job's hope when all of the death and all of the destruction and all of the sickness and everything was going on in his life. I mean, this guy had it great, right? He had lots of stuff. Then his kids are killed. His Everything is taken from him. He gets sick, right? And... He's left with the one thing, the one thing. Speaking of Pastor's Life Appreciation Month, right? The one thing, right? The one thing he's left with is the wife who says, Why don't you die too? I mean, this is him. And, and, and then his friends stop by to just make things a lot better, right? And what happens in the middle of this? What is his hope? His hope is that this path, even in its hardship, his hope was one day, this is my hope, this is my hope, this is my hope. I'm going to see him face to face. In my flesh, my Redeemer lives and I'm going to see him face to face. I want you to know this path of life leads us directly to God. The path of life is the path to the presence of God himself. The goal of the path is to be with God. The goal of the path is to see Him face to face. The hope along this path is that Jesus has made a way and that Jesus has laid out our steps and that not only has He done that, He's given us the very presence of God in the third person of the Trinity, His Spirit, so that we would know where to walk, we would be convicted when we're getting off the path and we would know the steps and be empowered to follow and to obey. He's done everything necessary for us to be on this path of life. Put your pocket knife away. Don't try to make your own path. Jesus has already done it. The end of this path is fullness of joy. In John 16, we're told that the Spirit of truth will come and He's going to guide you. He's going to guide you into all the truth. For he's not going to speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Jesus, for he will take what is that of Jesus and declare it to you. The hope along the path of life for the believer 
is that God is with you and that Jesus is speaking through the Holy Spirit to guide you. Why are you looking for your own way? I ask you, if if the Spirit of God is the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, that this is the Spirit given to us to empower us. This is the Spirit who spoke into existence the Word by revelation, right? Inspired, God-breathed Word. I ask you, why are you looking for another path when the instructions are right in front of you? Oh, but we're, we're looking for other paths, aren't we? We, we? we want to know more. We want to see more. We want to understand more. We want more knowledge. We want the next best thing. We want that other new thing. And, and I ask you, how good are you at what you've already been told? Right? I mean... I'll ask you again. I've been asking you for seven and a half years. I'll ask you again. How good at you, are you at loving your enemies? Anybody excellent at that yet? Then you don't need anything new to work on. How many of you forgive easily? Right? How many of you pray without ceasing? Anyone? Okay, good. Maybe we got some growth. That's good. Because these are not suggestions. These are marks of being a part of the kingdom of God. And we pull out our pocket knives and say, but I like this little area of the jungle over here. I want you to hear it. When we're told to pray for those who persecute us, what? And yet it's a command. What we're commanded to do as the people of God, to rejoice always. even in the middle of trials. We don't need another path. We have the path of life, and we're empowered to walk that path by the very Spirit who Jesus said that if He went away, the Spirit would come and we'd be better off. We have that Spirit if we are believers in Christ. What we're told in this passage is that this path of life leads to the presence of God Himself and ultimately leads to fullness of joy. So what is fullness of joy? Look back at the passage. Look back at Psalm 16:11. Look at it. You make known to me the path of life. This path of life leads to the presence of God and in your presence there is fullness of joy. What is this fullness of joy? Because this is the design of God for us. Jesus said he came to give life and to give it more abundantly. This is the design that we should have fullness of joy. So how does this happen? What is it? What is fullness of joy? Fullness of joy is found in the presence of God. Look back through look back through 16, like Psalm 16. I want you to see this. We see it there in verse 11 that there's fullness of joy in the presence of God. But if you look back through this whole psalm, you're going to see that David finds joy in the person, in the plan, in the wisdom of God. I want you to see some of these things. Look at the fullness of joy that's found in the person of God Himself. Look at verses 2 and 3. As we look at verses 2 and 3, this is what he says. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from You. God Himself is David's good. I have no good apart from you. I can't have anything good unless you give me 
that thing. And you yourself are my good. And then he goes on in the schizophrenic moment and he says this in verse 3. As for the saints and the Lord, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Wait a minute. Didn't you just say that there's no good except for God? And then he comes back in verse 3 and says, but the people of God, all my delight is found in them. What do we do with that? He seems like he's mixed up here, doesn't he? Does that make sense? It can't be both and. Doesn't it need to be either or? I believe that what we're learning here in Psalm 16 is this. That when we are on the path of life, in the presence of God, seeking fullness of joy in Him, then fullness of joy is going to be found in the person of God Himself because we're meant to never settle for anything less, even good things. Never. We're never meant to settle for anything less, even good things, because all the good gifts come from God and are meant to demonstrate His goodness. Let me give you some examples. What I love is our praise time on, on Sunday mornings is we're praising the Lord. I want to encourage you to continue praising the Lord as God inhabits the praises of His people. It should happen. We want to experience the presence of the Lord and the joy of the Lord. We keep praising Him. That's what we should be doing. Absolutely. I want to challenge us, however, to begin to think through the next level of what it is to praise the Lord. Let me give you an example. We have a baby on the way. That's awesome, right? Praise God for babies. Every Sunday, I go back to the nursery. You can ask the nursery workers during Sunday school. Every Sunday, I go back to the nursery and I just hang out because there's life back there. I love going into the nursery during Sunday school and just holding babies. And like everybody loves Raymond. Everybody, anybody ever watched that show back in the day? The grandpa used to just go up to the kids and like sniff their hair. He's like just life. That's what he used to do, right? I mean, it's just this. There's something beautiful. What are we celebrating when we celebrate a baby being born? We're celebrating life. It's good. What should we celebrate? We should celebrate life because God is the giver of life. Our praise should drive us to realize a baby is fantastic. God is better. As God is the creator of life and the giver of life and the sustainer of life, our praise should be drawn from the baby up to God. Growth groups. How many of you are in a growth group? How many of you love your growth group, right? Growth groups are fantastic. I love the food. I love the fellowship. I love sitting around and talking about God's Word. I love praying together. I love the encouragement. I love the fact that I have other people watching out for my kids and disciplining them when I can't see them. I love all of this, okay? But if God is not present, then growth groups are just hanging out with friends. That's all they are. I'm thankful for the people of God, not just because you're people, that's one thing, not just because you're loving, that's another thing, not just because we can fellowship in the Spirit, that's another thing to be thankful for. I'm thankful for you as the people of God because God brought you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Our praise should be all of us. We'd have nothing to do with each other if it weren't for Jesus. We'd be living our own lives apart from one another. We wouldn't be one with one another apart from Jesus. So your growth group, your Bible study class, your, the person you're sitting next to in church now should drive you 
to be thankful and to praise the Lord for what He's done, but praise Him for who He is. The path of life leads to fullness of joy when fullness of joy is found in God Himself and not being willing to settle for anything less. Fullness of God is found in the plan of God. Look back at the passage. Look at verses 5 and 6. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. God's plan is that we would have an inheritance in Him. And when we will say, look, I'm casting my lot with God, then we're trusting His plan and there is joy in His plan even in the middle of sorrow. Fullness of joy is found in the wisdom and in the law of God. Look at verse 7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me. Fullness of joy is found in the law of God. John 15. This is what Jesus says to us. Verses 10 and 11. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things, all these commandments... I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Obedience leads to joy. I want to give you another image. Check this out. As a pastor, my job is to be a shepherd. Okay, So, shepherd, sheep. That's the image given in Scripture. And one of the jobs of a shepherd, not only to care for the sheep, to feed the sheep, to tend the sheep, but to set the perimeter for the sheep. Right? We're going to set the fence for the sheep. That's what you have to do. You can't just let sheep roam free. You have to protect sheep. And the best way to protect sheep is set the fence for the sheep so the sheep know where they're supposed to be. Now, it doesn't matter how large the pen is, how far away the edges of this sheep pen are, all the sheep run to the fence. I want to see what's on the other side. Don't we? See, I'm not setting, I don't want to set the, the fence at my preferences, your preferences, anybody's preferences. We're going to set the fence by the Word of God. And so if we take this now to the analogy of we are sheep following after our Good Shepherd, He has set the fence by His Word to follow Him, to obey Him. This is His law, this is His wisdom. And what we tend to do is we tend to run to the fence and we look over the fence and we say, look at all that open space out there over the fence, right? I wish I was out there. That looks exciting. And you hear the growls out there and you're like, I wonder if that's just an angry sheep, right? Instead of a wolf, right? You're out there and you want to be out there on the other side of the fence. Turn around! Inside the fence is where all the good pasture is. Out there is danger. Out there is death. Out there is destruction. In here is all the good grass and all the good water. In here is peace and rest. In here is protection. In here is joy. In here is the shepherd. We don't set the fence in order to hem people in to keep them from freedom. We set the fence because all the freedom is found inside the fence. All of that is being bound to death. And here is life. We need to remember the freedom that we've been given and the freedom is to be inside the fence and find joy in the shepherd. 
fullness of joy is found in the wisdom and in the law of God. Fullness of joy is found in the never-ending security of God. Look at verses 8 and 9. I've set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. Look at verse 10 also. He says, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let my your Holy One see corruption. You can go to Acts and you can see that this in a greater way points to Jesus. And that because of His resurrection, because of His life, our protection, our security is found forever and ever. A never-ending security. John 10, 28-29, Jesus says, I give them eternal life. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand there's an eternal security that's found in the very presence of God himself and he has given us his spirit as his presence as a down payment and as a security to lock us in to abiding in Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever And yet we stumble, don't we? And yet we fall, and yet we run to the fence, and we want what's on the other side of the fence. I want to give you good news today from Jude. You may have never even read Jude. I want to give you some really good news from Jude chapter 1. From Jude, verses 24 through 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, he's able to keep you from stumbling. This security of God is as you're walking through this jungle of sin and death and unrighteousness all around. He is able to keep you from stumbling and He is able to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great... Anybody want to guess? Joy. He's able to do that. Are you able to do that? Am I able to do that? Don't place your hope in me. Don't place your hope in your brothers and sisters of Christ. Place your hope in Jesus. He is able. He is greater than the world. Finally, as we close, I want you to see this, this third part in verse 11. The joy of the Lord is forever. Verse 11, You make known to me the path of life, The path of life leads into the presence of God where there is fullness of joy. And in His presence, at His right hand, are pleasures forevermore. We get to experience some of that pleasure now by His abiding presence in us, by His Spirit. Where where do we find life? Where do you find hope? Where do you find peace? Where do you find your identity? Where do you find your joy? Because abiding in Jesus, abiding in His presence, abiding in His power means obeying. If you look back at John 15, abiding does not mean resting. Abiding means obeying. There are other places where we're told to rest from our own self-righteousness, but here we're obeying. It's not a passive abiding. It's an active, growing, fruit-producing, obedient abiding. 
So right now we can experience His abiding presence by getting to know Him, to know the power of His resurrection, to know our God who we call by name, to know our Jesus who calls us by name, to know Him. But ultimately, we're going to experience the fullness of joy in His eternal presence. And as the passage says, at His right hand. At His right hand, there will be joy and pleasure forevermore. One day, we will be in His presence. There's not going to be any more shadow. There's not going to be any need for faith. It's all going to be sight, and it's all going to be substance. And joy is going to be eternal. But I want to give you some really good news for today. Today, who is at the right hand of the Father? Jesus is. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. I want to give you good news because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. There is joy forevermore. Jesus is at His right hand. This should produce joy in us because one, He is our true high priest. He has made the sacrifice. He Himself is the sacrifice and He walked into the Holy of Holies and He sat down and He is our high priest. He is our mediator. He is praying for us. He is the only way to the Father. He mediates for us. He prays for us. Not Mary, not my mom who is in heaven. Jesus prays on my behalf. And when I pray in Jesus' name, by faith, He is even able to take my prayers and to change them and transform them to honor God in a way I could never do and then to be answered. So as we're praying today, we pray in Jesus' name and Jesus acts and mediates for us and moves and this should bring us great joy and great hope that we have a mediator and his name is Jesus and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. There's something else. Because if Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, he himself said, I've got to go and it will be to your benefit when I go because I'm going to send a helper. If Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, that means His Helper, the Holy Spirit, dwells in us. And we are better off for that. We're better off because the Holy Spirit is with us and in us. That is God's plan for the abundant life we've been called to in Jesus. For joy evermore is to find joy in the Spirit. To know that we've been empowered by the Spirit to obey, which produces joy. We've been empowered to overcome and to endure, which will be for our joy. We are empowered by the Spirit to know God, which will cause us to rejoice and transform us into rejoicing people. And we are empowered to proclaim, to spread joy. All by the Spirit. Fullness of joy. The path of life. The presence of God. Pleasures forevermore. Found only in Jesus. You cannot make your own way through the jungle of sin. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. If you're a believer, don't look for another way. Just learn the way. And trust His Spirit to lead, to guide, to help, to empower, and to produce joy.
Let's pray. Father, I pray that today we would be people of joy, not just because we're supposed to, but because you are our God who knows us by name. You are our King, you are our Lord, and Jesus Christ is our Savior. Make us people of joy who then go spread joy to the world. We won't be people at Christmas who just sing joy to the world, but we will realize that your design is that as your Spirit empowers us, we're to be joy for the world, to take the joy of knowing Christ to everyone we meet. Make us agents of that joy this week, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.